0: Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches, and after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like and helping others to do the same so we don't have to keep it all to ourselves. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of us be here, we may just feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post called Grief Drones. This was shared uh, today, Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Grief Drones. It doesn't seem to matter how much time has passed since I lost my daughter, Alexis, in 1997, and my son, Emmanuel, in 2002. Getting around to this time of year remains a hostile threat. It's the dangerous kind we can't see coming, even though we've been here a million times before. It's the grief drone attack we thought we'd evolved from and would quote-unquote do better with next time. Yet here we are again. Around this time of year, we start talking a lot about calendars, schedules, paid time off, and how much leave, and opportunities we have to travel for the holiday season. We strategize with our plans, visits with our family and friends, and as we do so, retail shops pretty much roll out Christmas decorations around mid-October. But there are some schedules not all of us follow. Specifically, as the grieving mother of two deceased children, I'm referring to the unique and insidious grief drone attack schedule, If this is news to you, enjoy that for as long as possible. But if it's the schedule that you're keeping as I am, it's the season that's looming and hovering just outside of our aching hearts. It's the one we fear most and have also learned is unavoidable. As the mother of two deceased children, and maybe you can relate, I am contending with a different kind of season. It's not the one that starts when the Christmas decorations go up. It's the one that unleashes disasters, pain, sneak attacks, and all-out hellish states of grief and sadness. This type of drone attack doesn't start in October. If you're a parent who has had to let go of your child, you know that our rough season starts way back toward the end of summer. Sometime in August, we start seeing the fleets of school buses out on their training runs. The first time a school bus full of kids brings me to tears and feeling gut-punched. I recognize that as marking the beginning of this season of what can be a nonsensical surprise series of grief attacks just buzzing above us, looking for the moments we're most vulnerable. And in my experience... I am most vulnerable when I am allowing myself to experience joy. In fact, there is no joy anywhere in my life that is not coupled with the unimaginable but totally engaged grief drone that is just waiting to destroy a feeling of profound love and connection, as I've come to learn. If we don't let our grief have a place at the table, it will always swoop down to get our attention and demand our respect. Grief has a guaranteed VIP pass into our consciousness and most often sabotages our joy if that is the only way it can breathe. Once we get used to the school buses coming and going, the ones that our children no longer ride, we look up and start seeing signs of Halloween, which is mostly a young person's holiday, However, we did or did not get to participate in the Halloween festivities with our child before they died, we are all still called to relive whatever that experience was around this time of year. Costumes, advertising, bobbing for apple parties just aren't part of our lives now. Oddly enough, I thought I would only missed out on the Halloween spirit when my children were little. But even now, when they'd be in their 20s, I can't help but want to do something festive with my adult children, like hike or go on a hayride or eat a big chili dinner with fresh cornbread and cider. Those things are not for us. And just when we get the trick-or-treat tradition behind us, and in parentheses, forgive ourselves for eating all the candy that we bought for the kiddos end parentheses, here comes Thanksgiving, here comes Christmas, here come the Christmas specials, and here comes New Year's, with all of its possibilities in the new year, all except the chance that our children who have died will be part of them. I study the seasons and write a lot about our innate connection with nature and all of its splendor and brilliance. I am comforted that no matter what season I find myself in, it will pass. This is, of course, terrible news when I'm in a season of deep connection and prosperity. And conversely, it's a great relief when the season that I'm in sucks. Either way, we can't control the comings and goings of the changing seasons. What we can control is how to best survive them, and if there is any joy to be garnered, that we go for that too. For every parent who has lost their child at a young age or in full adulthood, I am extending my condolences for what is no less tragic than our own death. In some ways, we do die when we have to let go of our child. And I know, like you do, that the holidays aren't the problem for us professional grievers. It's more like the timing that gets us turned upside down. And just as I can ride three hours to a family dinner, only to have Zachary throw up over my white Christmas suit before we can even get into the house... I can also be grateful that we made it there at all. The beauty of embodying the inarguable truth that grief drones are just waiting to swoop in and threaten our experience is that with all things, we can learn to say, I see you. I hear you. I know you're there. I know you want attention. Let's take a walk this morning so that later you feel included and you don't attack me as I'm taking communion at Christmas Eve Mass or toasting friends on New Year's Eve. Facing these recurring holiday seasons that, for many of us, actually start in August and don't end until January can be petrifying. I have literally felt like I was in a war zone, with all due respect to our military, whom I have not served during my lifetime trying to dodge certain people, conversations, and praying this won't be one of those cocktail parties where I drink too much to escape the pain or throw up in the bathroom in the midst of a teary panic attack. By the time we get to November of any given year, I have already been in the quote-unquote holiday season for two months, starting with school buses and back-to-school nights trying to move along through the sludge as I am reminded with each breath that my children aren't coming back. It is exhausting. But understanding this dynamic and accepting it or trying to, instead of bracing against it and trying to outrun it, makes room for us to better plan and make decisions about how this time can be spent. For example, Our family values experience over gift-giving, so we let ourselves off the shopping hook around the holidays and plan an event that we can all enjoy, like a sunset cruise or dinner by the water. I plan special meditations, do yoga, and lay off substances that make me nuts, like alcohol and sugar, to name a few. But I am human, so I fall short about as much as I show up for myself. But it's the refusal to completely give up that I'm most proud of. I just can't do it. After all the pain, tears, lost dreams, and excruciating memories of not being able to protect, let alone save Alexis or Emmanuel from dying, there is still some cell in my body, some whisper, a question mark even. That is just enough to keep me showing up for the holidays and for all the days when I can. And when I can't, I don't. And that is okay, too. So best tips for a smoothish holiday season when you are in deep grief. Self-care. 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 And yes, you guessed it, more self-care. And send me a note or schedule some time with me through the collaboration page. There's a link to this in the post. I can share some strategies and hopefully learn some of yours. So thank you uh, again for checking out this episode of the Healing Path podcast. And yeah, this is a tough one. Um, Get a getting a little bit specific on some of the triggers that come across my radar um, in the seasons that we've most recently been in kind of fall and now moving toward winter Um, and just really thinking, I know I'm not alone in having these triggers and I know everyone's journey is definitely different and very complex. um, But I just, I wanted to share, just because I know that, especially Halloween, if you've lost a child, that's just one that really can be a trigger for folks, and it's almost like the moment that you're sort of trying to recover from what all that entails, um, you turn around, and okay, now it's, you know, we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about vacations, and um, you know, just just memories and things like that. So if you're hurting, um, yeah, please know you're not alone. Thank you so much for you know listening in. And until we get to connect again, let's try to just stay present and stay grateful and stay healing. And as always, I thank you so much for listening.